And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's The Real Investment Show. And as we get ready to wrap up this already holiday shortened week, um, already kicking off the new year. And we got the Santa Claus rally finally showed up. Now, the Santa Claus rally technically lasts five days of the year. First two day trading days of the new year. Got a little bit of a rally. Now, look, it's it, it wasn't much. and We're clinging to straws here. But market did rally about 70 basis points. And this is also in today's market commentary as well, our daily commentary we put out in the morning. Um, markets just really trading along this very defined consolidation range. And it's been very tight here for the last couple of weeks. We talked about this yesterday a bit. Um, again, you know, lots of things happening here where markets are trying to hold up here despite the fact that you know, we've got the Fed. And again, Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning. We'll talk about what the Fed FOMC minutes said about rate hikes. Nil Cash Carey out yesterday saying, yeah, I think we're going to hike rates another 1%. That would take the Fed funds rate to five and basically five and a half percent from here. Uh, of course, no real sign. And this is something that we'll get into more detail, but no sign the Fed's going to pivot anytime soon. But markets pricing in rate cuts as soon as July. So again, markets are trying to expect the Fed to start cutting rates. But again, markets holding up here. Now, as I said yesterday, kind of the good news, markets are trying to establish these higher lows. Of course, we've got these higher lows. We also have this downtrend line that goes all the way back to the beginning of last year. So that rate, that trading range is getting a lot tighter for the market. So the market's going to have to come to a decision point here sooner than later. So at some point, the market will have to make a move in one direction or the other, a breakout to the upside of this consolidation range and this tightening kind of wedge pattern that we've got going on right now would, would signify a move, you know, substantial move higher. You know, we're talking probably a 5 to 10% move higher if we can break out of that consolidation range. If we break below that, of course, we're going to be setting new lows. And of course, that's not what we want to talk about this year. So, you know, after last year, we want to talk about higher asset prices. But uh, so, but let's talk about that for a second. Market does break out to the downside of this. Now, that wouldn't be surprising given the Fed still hiking rates. Now, normally what happens historically, markets tend to soften as the Fed continues to hike rates. Once the Fed actually pauses their rate hikes, that's where generally the market is either going to say, okay, everything's fine and markets are going to start to stabilize. Or as we saw in 2000, uh, the year 2000, when the Fed began to pause, that's where markets really started to accelerate on, on the downside. Also in 2008 as well, uh, the peak in those rate hikes was the beginning of the bear market. So again, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a mix of where markets are going to behave once the Fed actually does pause. The question is, and really the defining differentiator is, is the economy in a recession when the Fed pauses? That's going to be the defining answer to how markets perform. Of course, this all comes down to earnings and estimates and those type of things as well. So again, lots of exuberance here really kind of from the market, um, hoping for these kind of Fed pivots. You know, we go from one meeting to the next. Is the Fed going to pivot? Is the Fed going to pause? What are they going to say? Every meeting, the Fed comes out and says, we're not pausing. We're going to keep hiking rates. Markets get into a bit of trouble here, but and then try to rally into the next meeting. We've got another meeting coming up in February. 
that'll be the next rate hike from the Fed. Uh, quarter basis point is expected in February, and then we'll go uh, six weeks you know, after that for the next meetings going into the summer. Um, one other piece of good news here sort of is that our MACD, which has been a very good indicator this year for you know, risk management and removing uh, you know, raising cash or reducing equity risk, you know, however, um, depending on where the markets are, uh, that is very close to actually turning positive here. So now the, the, the unfortunate part of this is that it's about to turn positive from only coming down about halfway. So when that occurs, it's typically not as good of a signal to be making a buy decision. We might get a tradable rally here back up towards that 200-day moving average right around 3990, which is, uh, you know, say just call it 4,000 on the S&P. 3,900, as we talked about yesterday on the S&P, not too far from here, a big convergence of moving averages right there. So lots of overhead resistance. Markets are going to really have a tough time initially kind of making move higher unless there is some piece of good catalyst here, right? So some piece of economic news, a pivot, you know, some type of, uh, you know, mention from the Fed that maybe they'll slow down the pace of rate hike sooner than expected. Don't see that coming, but you'll need some type of, of pretty decent news to push through all that kind of cluster of moving average resistance. But again, when the, when the MACD is at such kind of this mid-level, it's not as good of a signal because we'll very quickly move back and overbought territory. In other words, the market won't have to move much to get us all the way back up into kind of overbought regions. So again, just be a little cautious here. This has kind of been the message all of last year, and unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be that way this year as well as we start out the year. Uh, be a little bit more risk averse here. Control your risk exposure. Uh, doesn't, you know, the, there's some opportunities here in the markets Obviously, for, for taking on some risk, you know, we were talking about uh, recently, you know, taking a look at energy stocks as well. You know, the energy, uh, the market itself in terms of uh, energy stocks is deviated from what's actually happening with the price of oil. So, yes, energy stocks have come down, but a lot of the majors haven't. ExxonMobil, Chevron, etc. Those haven't really come down much despite the big decline in oil prices. So there might be an opportunity later this year if energy stocks catch up with oil prices being lower, might have a better entry point to actually add some energy exposure. Now, some of the drillers already have already had fairly big corrections. So there's some opportunities to kind of dig through that sector. Um, gold, on the other hand, has had a very good uh, run lately. And this has been one of the kind of the interesting aspects. Uh, gold has had a very big move here, uh, getting very extremely overbought. So again, if you've been long gold, this is a good opportunity to take a little bit of profit out of that position. Probably going to get some weakness in gold prices here sooner than later, uh, depending on kind of some of the economic data that's going to be coming out here sooner than uh, as, as we kind of go forward. So again, um, you know, nothing wrong with the position, just very overbought. Take some profits, look for a pullback to probably around 1700, 1725. Um, to maybe make an additional uh, purchase of gold. So again, just there's some opportunities that exist, but as we kind of go through the year, we'll have to just kind of cherry pick those opportunities as they come along. Because again, you know, until we really have a direction from both the Federal Reserve in terms of what's happening, uh, most importantly, quantitative tightening, something Mike and I will talk about this morning. You know, the headwinds that are gonna be plaguing the financial markets really most of this year all come back down to the Fed. Yes, we have weaker economic growth. Yes, earnings are going to be an issue. Valuations are still an issue as well. But ultimately, what's going to drive the market is the Fed, unfortunately, because this is what we've come down to. We're so now solely dependent on the Fed. 
monetary liquidity and the direction of interest rates for putting capital to work. So again, lots of headwinds uh, that we've got to deal with, of course, going forward this year. So it'll be a year where we're going to have to be trading a lot more um, rather than kind of buying and holding. So you know, we could very well end up this year kind of flat to even slightly negative, might even have a slightly positive year, but it'll be a volatile year nonetheless. So the, the way to make some money this year is probably going to be trading opportunities as they show up. Okay, so having said that, we've got a lot of stuff to get into this morning with Michael Leibowitz. When we come back from the break, we'll start, talk about the FOMC minutes that were released yesterday. Futures are about flat this morning, not a lot going on here. So we'll see how the market digests this news from the Fed. And again, as we kind of really start to set out the first five days of the year, what is that going to mean for the month? All that's coming up right after the break. I'm your host, Lance Roberts for The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. So yesterday I was telling you about um, the, the travel travails of our annual ski trip to go see our uh, my wife's cousin Dwayne, right? Our our liberal listener, right? Who has now given us his uh, his own version of a bobblehead to hang out here in the studio this morning. So <laughs> we appreciate you. But I forgot to tell you this one very important story. So I met I met a gentleman named Brent. Really? Yeah. So we're we're in the Utah. We just landed in the Utah airport, right? So yeah. Salt Lake City, right? Salt Lake City Airport. And so we're trying to get down to the area to get our rental car and, you know, to go where we're going. And so we're walking through the airport. My wife and, and the kids are in front of me, you know, just a little bit. I'm, I'm behind them. And all of a sudden I hear this, Lance Roberts. And right in the middle of the airport, right? I'm like, look around. Like, what the hell? And there's a guy walking towards me with his hand, hand out. Yeah. And he's like, Lance Roberts. And he says, I listen to you all the time on the air. And his name was Brent. So Brent, thank ah, you very much. He was yeah. on his way from Denver going hooking a, mm -hmm. a ride through Utah. He got delayed yeah. on his flight hooking yeah. a ride through Utah um, to get back home to Houston. So Brent, thanks for saying hi in the airport. I met, I met his wife and his son, who goes to A&M, by the way. Ooh. So. So all good. Yeah. So, but here's the best part of the story. So my kids and my wife are ahead of me, right? So right. I, I stop and I'm talking to, I'm talking to Brent for a few minutes and my wife's rolling her eyes. Cause this, you know, <laughs> every time I meet somebody, I like, you know, start talking about stuff. My husband, the star. <laughs> I know. Well, this is the funny thing, right? So my kids know that I do radio, but they really don't have any connection about 
the radio show. They don't listen to it right. or anything else, yeah. right? But they're all they're all ate up with this whole social media, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube. They all want to be YouTubers and you know, video superstars, whatever. Their dad is they a digital celebrity. They want to be influencers, yeah. right? So now all of a sudden, this guy sees me in the airport. One guy, by the way, <laughs> one person. <laughs> So now my kids think it's like, oh my gosh, my dad's really my dad is like you famous. Know, he's famous, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. He's famous. So right, it's like yeah, just just go on. I, you know, this is no big deal. Let's just go get in the car. So we get in the car. We go to and, and we're starving, right? We haven't eaten since morning. Then and, and so the kids are hungry, and so we're on the way in, and we find a red robin ah on the way that's just right off the highway heading to where yeah. we're going. So we pull off. We go into Red Robin. It's packed. Really, it is packed there's people sitting around everywhere waiting on tables and so i walked up to the manager and i was like hey look i got i got i need a table for five and you know i said we're starving it's been a long trip and he's like hey no problem man i got you and so everybody else is like people are coming in he's like yeah it's gonna be an hour and 45 minute wait at red robin at mind red you. robin at a red robin red. hour and 45 minute wait he comes over we've been there maybe five minutes he comes over to me he's like come on i got you and we walks and puts us in our private room at Red Robin. Now my kids are convinced. Oh my God, my dad's a celebrity. <laughs> you, now, you know you've made it when you're an A-lister at, at the Red, Red Robin. Robin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you have made it to the top. <laughs> so now my kids are completely convinced. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're still not listening to the radio show though. Well. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lee would join you this morning to talk about everything Fed. Of course, yesterday the Federal Reserve released their FOMC minutes and some interesting comments uh, coming out of the FOMC. Now, the markets didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, initially, the markets kind of rallied out of the gate when the FOMC minutes came out. Markets sold off. We rallied a little bit into the end of the day. Again, I wouldn't read a lot into these daily gyrations of the market as of late. A lot of this is repositioning for portfolio managers going into the end of the year, coming out of the end of the year, um, you know, wanting to have the right positions on their books or not have positions on their books, depending on what their views are. But the minutes were fairly interesting. So uh, let's get into that this morning here a bit, talk about what the Fed said. And and and, uh, and also, too, I want to talk a little bit about what Neil Kashkari said um, as well, because this all kind of plays into the Fed messaging, um, which was also released yesterday by Nick Timro. So, Mike, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. It's Good. What a pleasure to be with the uh, King of Red Robin. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Wait till my kids find out. <laughs> yeah. When you can pull that card, let me know. <laughs> so, uh, hadn't happened to Whataburger yet, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> anyway, Mike's going, Whataburger, what's that? It's, it's a Texas thing. Don't worry about it. Um, I figured it so, out. yesterday, the FOMC uh, released their minutes. Now, this was the minutes from their uh, previous to their, their meeting in December, by the way. So, you know, we've already had the meeting in December. They raised the 50 basis points that we all knew was coming. And this is the minutes. Now, now understand that these are not actual minutes, right? So and what I mean by that is, is if Mike and I had a corporation, right, and we had a minute, uh, a meeting, a, a board meeting, we had a secretary sitting there to take the minutes of the meeting, she would write down exactly what we were saying. And those are that's not what's happening. This is, you know, this is basically very uh, curated notes 
uh, around the meeting, which basically just back up their statement that they make. But you know what actually gets said in the in the boardroom of the Federal Reserve, you're not you're not privy to that data. So these are very curated notes that come out. But it was interesting yesterday, Mike. I mean, the Fed was pretty clear. You know, we're not we're not we're not cutting rates anytime soon. There's no pivot on the horizon. Yeah. So so there were a few takeaways I had. And, and maybe the most important was that the market and the Fed are in disagreement. So the Fed was very clear, both in the statement and then afterwards with Neil Kashkari. The Fed is saying that they're going to bring rates up. You know, there's still a range of where they think they're going to bring them to, but they're going to bring them to, say, five and a quarter. <laughs> Neil Kashkari thinks five and a half. We think it's Bullard that thinks they're going up to almost 6%. But regardless, they're going to bring them up and they're not touching them. They're going to be there. They all, the whole FOMC committee agreed that rates will be at whatever that terminal rate is for the remainder of the year. The market thinks that rates will be brought up a little bit less than where the Fed thinks they'll be brought up. But the market thinks the Fed will be easing in the back half of the year. And I think what's both, uh, you know, you you can um, you can think about this two ways, whether it's constructive or or concerning. That the market yesterday was up. Uh, I want to say S and P was up thirty or forty before the Fed minutes. It fell quickly. <clears throat> Sorry, got a frog in my throat. Um, it fell quickly, and, but but it 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 stabilized and the market finished up on the day. <clears throat> Well, and I think so, this, I think I think, in the, and I'll give you a second to, to clear your throat. Um, you know, I think it's very interesting here because what's actually happening is, is again this this market's running on this hope, right? And we've been doing this all of last year. You know, between one meeting to the next, that you know, as soon as we have the meeting, then the market starts going, okay, well now we're going to pivot, and the next meeting we're going to pivot, or the Fed's going to cut their, you know, start cutting rates, and the market runs up and and. You know, what's interesting is, is that's exactly the opposite of what the Fed wants to have happen, right? Because when the market increases in value, right, or prices go up, it eases financial conditions, which is exactly the opposite of what the Fed's trying to achieve, which then means the Fed has to come out and slap the markets back down again. You know, we saw that in August of last year. We saw it in December of this year as well as the Fed going, you know, hey, stop running the markets up because that's <laughs> you're 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 hampering what we're trying to do here in terms of of getting inflation down. Right. Right. So so but the market stabilized. So it, it's almost like the market wants to disagree with the Fed. Yeah. Which is fine. Except there was one statement in the in the in the in the uh, minutes yesterday and it's a statement we've heard a few times you know worded slightly differently and i'm going to read it to you uh, participants noted that because monetary policy uh sorry i should probably put my glasses on participants <laughs> noted that because monetary policy worked importantly through financial markets and un and unwarranted easing in financial conditions especially if driven by a misconception by the public of the committee's reaction function would complicate complicate the committee's effort to restore price stability so to summarize what they're saying is if the stock market rallies because because investors think the fed is going to pivot because the fed is going to lower rates that would reduce the fed's ability to re to get inflation down right so what the fed is saying is they and I think really what they want, and they'll never say this, 
They want a controlled burn in stock prices. They want lower stock prices, but not but but not low and quick enough to cause a panic. So the question is how how do you engineer lower stock prices? And there, there's it's through liquidity. Mm-hmm. And the title of our commentary, I think it was yesterday, was QT, the elephant in the room. And basically that talked about QT and how it sucks out liquidity. And but that's just one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is the Fed also has a repo program. And by setting by those rates, the rates that they offer in money market investors, so overnight investors, these are institutional investors, the rate they choose determines how much money goes into that program. So if they choose a very high rate, a lot of money flows into that program. That's money that's pulled out of the market. That pulls liquidity. So the combination of these two programs, QT, which is on a set course of 95 billion, and the repo program help them reduce liquidity, increase liquidity when it's needed, and basically probably keep try to keep stock prices flat, if not lower. And you know, you can say this is a theory, but we can also go back to, I believe it was 2003, Ben Bernanke wrote a whole speech on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interaction between stock prices and the uh, the ability of monetary policy to do what the Fed wants it to do. And uh, Powell and Bernanke, have, you know, are are talk all the time. So I think this is just rooted in what the Fed's been thinking for the last 20 years, that stock prices affect the economy. Yep, and uh, we'll come back from the break. We'll we'll pick up on this a little bit more because you know again, you know the the risk for the Fed is is prematurely easing financial conditions, and we'll talk about the impacts of that and the impact on the market. When we come back from the break, don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com are you as worried about estate taxes as we are our first lunch and learn of the new year will focus on family limited partnerships this valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Karma is a real thing. So yesterday, so Monday, sorry, what did I say? Thursday. So Tuesday. Yeah. My wife is uh, telling me she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell everybody at work tomorrow that I've got to go down to Port Arthur 
to meet with some clients because there's a couple of houses that I want to go get with our realtor on to go take a look at because she's in a serious house hunt right now. So in Port Arthur? Yeah, she's got clients in Port Arthur because uh, they do bunkering of LNG. Right. right? She's so, looking for a house in no, Port no, Arthur? No, 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 no. She, she's using that as an excuse. I'm going to go see my clients ah. in Port Arthur. I've got to be out of the office all day to mm-hmm. go see my clients in Port Arthur. Right. And that way she can sneak off to go look at these houses, exactly. right? Exactly. And so she came home last night. And she goes, you are not going to believe what happened. And I was like, well, what happened? And she goes, well, I told everybody in my office today that I've got to be down in Port Arthur tomorrow, supposedly today, today. right? Yeah. So I could go look at these two houses that I want that, that I want to take a look at. And she goes, my clients from Port Arthur call me. They want me down there tomorrow. <laughs> if you put it out into the world. Yep. Karma's gonna get you. She goes. I can't break the rules for anything. She's she's very she's this she's this massive rule follower, right? By so the book. Everything's got to be by the book. She never breaks the rules. And the first time she's gonna try to break the rules, <laughs> karma bites her. She never skipped school, did she? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> she she doesn't do it. I'm I'm, ser- I'm serious. If there's if there's a rule or a guide, right? Yeah. She does not. But I'm like, honey, you know, it, it's okay. Everybody does it. I'm not I'm not doing it. Whatever yeah. it is, right? So. <laughs> Anyway, all right, karma. It's a it's a witch. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so just for the break, talk a little bit about the FOMC, and and it's interesting because again in their statement yesterday they made this you know very clear was, um, and this was a, a, a I'll read to you from the actual statement, you know, participants generally observe that a restrictive policy stance would need to be maintained until incoming data provided confidence that inflation was on a sustained downward path to 2%. Now, that's a key statement. It didn't say that inflation has to be at 2%, right? And this is a mistake that a lot of people are making. They're going, well, the Fed's going to hike rates until we get to 2%. That's not what they said. They said that it's got to be on a, a very clear, sustained trajectory to 2%. So, in other words, we go to 7 to 6 to 5 to 4 you know, you've got a very clear trajectory that at that point you're probably going to be heading back to two, right? So again, it doesn't mean you have to wait till you get to two, but they just want to see that inflation is coming down to two percent and not just basically pausing before it runs up again, right? And so that's that's the big thing, um, which was likely to take some time in the view. Of, of the persistent and unacceptably high level of inflation, several participants commented that historical experience cautioned against prematurely loosening monetary policy. Now, that's cutting rates and obviously reversing QT, right? So that's that's the big thing that everybody's kind of focusing on. So, you know, this is that whole idea that come July, the Fed's going to be cutting rates. Now, the important thing here is, though, is to understand is that if the Fed is there, there's a huge difference between the Fed pausing rate hikes, right? So in other words, they hike to five, five and a quarter, five and a half, whatever the number is ultimately going to be, and stopping there and just holding it. That's one thing. It's another thing to be cutting rates because if they're cutting rates, it means that something has happened economically or something is happening financially in the markets or in the credit market, whatever it is. But there's a problem and they've got to start cutting rates to try to get money moving back into the financial markets to help heal up whatever is now broken, 
right? So the only time the Fed is cutting rates is when there's a problem. And either you're in a recession, you've got some type of event going on financially or credit related or, or, or something else, right? But there's a problem. And that's why the Fed's cutting rates to try to ease monetary conditions, right? So right now they're trying to tighten monetary conditions to slow consumption, to slow economic growth, reduce demand that brings down inflation. If they're cutting rates, there's a problem. So again, probably not something that I want to be investing in when the Fed starts cutting rates. That first rate hike or first rate cut, sorry, is probably not the time to be to be buying stocks. Mike, what do you think? Absolutely. And I put out uh, my article yesterday. It's basically the three paths ahead. And earlier we talked about how the market and Fed are diverging in their views. The, the market thinks the Fed will just gently lower rates towards the end of next year. The Fed thinks they're going to stay the same. I can see the Fed's uh, scenario playing out if the economy kind of stays intact, the markets maybe are lower, but they're not collapsing if there's no financial instability issues and inflation doesn't fall rapidly to two per, towards 2%, then yeah, the Fed path may have some validity. I struggle with the market's path that the Fed will do 25 basis points in say August and another 25 in November, December, a very gradual decline in rates. That's really never happened. Really what in reality, what happens is the Fed aggressively cuts rates because they're dealing with what we keep saying is something mm. broke. Yep. And I think this time will be like the past. You know, uh, hopefully the market's right. Hopefully this is a very gradual cutting of rates because the economy is stable, because the markets are stable, because there's no crisis on hand. I hope it's right. And and that they can eventually get inflation back down to 2%. They can get interest rates back down towards, you know, kind of closer to where they've been and they can keep the economy afloat without losing jobs. That's great, but that's Goldilocks. That's not the way it works. It tends to work in the real world. And we can all hope that that happens, but in reality, we have to understand what's happened in the past. And again, in the past, there have been severe cuts to Fed funds to bring rates down rapidly. And in Bernanke's own words, severe cuts to Fed funds to juice the stock market. Not he didn't say to juice the stock market, <laughs> to, but to push stock market higher to get people uh, to bring up sentiment about the economy, yeah. to create spending in the economy. So, you know, this this is the Fed that that has to. Their, their goal this year is to babysit market expectations and I think market prices. Yeah. And well, if the economy and if all these things can can work to their favor, maybe this happens the way Goldilocks would like it to happen. But <laughs> but history says that that hasn't been the case ever. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's and look, and, and if you don't uh, really kind of believe what Mike's saying, all you've got to do is is pull up any chart. And there's just thousands of them on the Internet right now. Just pull up any chart of historical Fed rate hikes. And what you'll see is, is that rate hikes you know, unlike the stock market, um, you know, they, they say that bull markets are, are basically the escalator up and then bear markets are the elevator down. Well, 
with Fed rate hikes, it's the same way. It's, it's this, you know, this gradual increase in rates until something breaks, and then it's an elevator ride down in rates. And, and to Mike's point, the the drop in rates back towards you know a, a new low, and the, and every time since the nineteen late nineteen seventies. Every time the Fed has cut rates, they have cut rates to a new lower level than where the previous low was. So each and every time, rates had to come down to a new lower level to get the economy going again. And then when they hiked rates, the rate hike was to a level that was lower than the previous hike, uh, previous peak of rate hikes. Um, you know, this is the only difference this time is that you can't go lower than zero. We were at zero you know, at the last drop in rate hikes. So, uh, so again, when we drop rate hikes this time, it'll go back to zero. But I, I don't see how we get to negative rate hikes. I, I just uh, I don't think we get there. We're going to get to zero. And but you know, there's going to be a lot of other problems at the point. But it'll be a very sharp, rapid drop in those rate uh, in those rate cuts to get back to zero. It won't be to Mike's point, 25 basis points here, 25 basis points there. That's not going to be the way it works. And Lance, when were we last at zero? Do you remember? Yeah, in 2019. No. Yeah, because we came out of 2018. The Fed was March hiking of, rates. March of 2022. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Last time we were. Yeah, that's, March. that's correct. March of 20. Ten months ago. Yeah. Not even a full year ago, rates were zero. Now they're four and a quarter, four and a half. I got That's you. how quickly the Fed brought up the Fed funds rate. And there's a you know, we keep talking about a lag effect. If that lag effect is a year, and we can debate this all day, and people do, then it we haven't even fully felt that first 25 basis point rate hike from March. Mm -hmm. Now we can start talking about all those 75 basis point rate hikes that clearly haven't been felt in the economy. Right. And these lag effects, which we drone on about, and I know it's probably irritating <laughs> to hear about, but this is the reality, is that the pain the economic and financial pain from those rate hikes is just starting to be felt. The, you know, the first 25 basis points, raising it from zero to a quarter is just being fully, fully affecting the economy. There's still a whole bunch more to go. Every six weeks from March, they were raising rates. Yeah. And those are just working their way into the economy. Well, and, 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 and really, I, this is a conversation we'll pick up on the other side of the break. But, you know, so from a portfolio management standpoint and from an investing standpoint, right? So here I am, I'm sitting on a bunch of cash right now. You know, what do I do? I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, at some point, the market should rally, right? I mean, uh, you know, the, the bear market will be over at some point, you would expect. But again, you know, how do you navigate this, this issue um, as you move into the new year with all these kind of headwinds, right? So we've got quantitative tightening. We've got the Fed still hiking rates. We've got the lag effect from these rate hikes. We've got monetary uh, impulses, right? The M2 money supply has dropped just drastically here because of all that kind of fiscal injection that we put in the economy in 2020, 2021 has now come out of the economy. So it really doesn't seem like a, a great environment to be aggressively bullish in, but this is usually the time when markets kind of surprise you, too. So we'll come back and talk about that after the break. Don't go away.
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. The Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning. Michael Leibowitz joining me. So the big question, right? So we're talking about the Fed and what the Fed's doing. And of course, the, the Fed is, you know, hiking rates and extracting liquidity from the markets at the same time that they're pulling out liquidity from the markets. We've got, you know, inflation running at 7% plus and, you know, just, just you know, earnings are coming down. We're facing a potential recession. Um, you know, our portfolio is positive for the year. It seemed like right now we should just cash out everything and just go sit in cash for this year. It doesn't really seem to be a lot of opportunity. But, you know, the interesting thing about the way markets work is, is that despite all of these obvious headwinds, markets have a tendency to surprise you sometimes and do things that you don't expect them to do. Again, we've, we've laid out a very bearish case this morning, really, for the markets from, you know, what the Fed's doing and, and what's heading. It seems like, the as I said, the obvious thing is like, pfft, why even be invested, right? Just Just go sit in cash. Well, the problem with that is, is again, you know, there's been a lot of damage to the markets in terms of stock prices. You know, uh, Meta down 50, 60 percent. Tesla's down 60, 70 percent from its peak. I mean, a lot of stocks have, have really, really taken a beating this year. Uh, small caps, mid caps, large caps uh, uh, to a large degree have all taken, you know, pretty substantial hits. Yet the market overall hasn't come down that much. Market's down about 19 percent from its peak. So, you know, again, it's it's you know, it seems like a bear market. It feels like a bear market, but you know, markets have really held in a whole lot better than you would have expected. I think in an environment where the Fed was aggressively hiking rates, I think at any other point in history, if, if markets were operating on a uh, on a fundamental basis um, rather than this kind of passive indexing environment that we live in, you know, markets would have been down substantially more than where they are. We would have probably been talking about a market down 30 or 40% rather than 19% last year, actually 18.1% total return basis last year. So, you know, you know, that's, that's the real, that's the challenge here for investors. And, you know, how do you allocate money to the markets and, and try to participate here in an environment with such obvious headwinds, but where a market because of passive index flows, uh, and again, ETF flows last year, very strong. People put a lot of money into equity ETFs last year, um, you know, despite the fact of what was market, what market was going on. We haven't really seen that capitulation of what we would normally deem a bear market. In a bear market, nobody wants to own stocks. In this environment, we've had just record inflows of money into passive ETFs because people are convinced at every moment they don't want to miss the bottom if the Fed pivots. So they keep putting money into ETFs, hoping to catch the bottom. And that's a very different environment that we're in. And this is what's going to make a real challenge this year and demanding money. Again, you can, you can, Take the opportunity and say, I'm out. I'm just going to sit in cash. And this market can take off running because, again, 
the markets are, are pricing in what the Fed is doing. The, the market is trying to front run what the Fed is doing. The market is trying to, to, to outpay, outthink the Federal Reserve and what's going on economically. They're pricing in expectations for a reduction in earnings. They're pricing in an expectation for a recession. That's all being done psychologically. There's so much talk about a recession. There's so much talk about Fed rate hikes and, and all these type of things. The market's already adjusting for all of this. And again, this is going to be one of the most forecasted, predicted recessions if it occurs in U.S. history, because everybody's talking about it, which brings up the risk that the markets can do something quite unexpected and start to rally much sooner than would make logical sense. And this is one thing that's going to be a big challenge for both Mike and I to manage money this year is how to navigate this market. It's going to be a year, I think, with a lot more volatility. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I you know, I think this year is going to be much harder than last year. We started last year, day one of last year, we started, we had very a high level of equity exposure. And day one, we started reducing our exposure. I think we pulled off 6% of our exposure on that very first or second day of the year. And the reason for that was because we thought the Fed would start lower, would start raising rates that they had to combat inflation, that inflation was on the rise. And look, we, we didn't expect the Fed would get up to four and a quarter percent, but we thought that we'd be going into a tightening uh, monetary policy regime. And that's what happened and stocks trended lower. And we had reduced exposure throughout the year, um, equity exposure throughout the year. This year seems difficult because a like you said passive flows have not stopped so one of the things we have to keep in mind is will something happen this year where passive investors where individuals say you know what my my 401k which right now gets 80 percent of my contributions to stocks and 20 percent to bonds bonds are at four five percent now i'm going to switch it to 50 50. Or, you know what, stocks are going nowhere. I'm just going to get out of stocks. I'm going to go to cash. Like you said, mm -hmm. I can earn 4%. So the first question or first thing that we always have to keep on the top of our mind is, is it possible that those passive flows into the market that just are coming in every other week, every time someone gets a paycheck, that they will reverse, that equity fl that flows will leave equities? and go to cash or bonds or commodities or wherever else they may go. So, you know, that's top of mind. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is the year we kind of prepare for the worst, hope for the best, and reality will be somewhere in between. Um, the Fed is telling us they're gonna raise rates through March, April. They're gonna keep rates where they are. The lag effect of all those rate hikes from last year will just slowly work their way into the economy. We're seeing some decent deterioration in economic data. It's just not in labor data. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the Fed wants to see a weakening of the labor market because their biggest concern is Paul Volcker's from 40 years ago that inflation comes down and then pops back up again, that you they had three waves of inflation back in the 70s and early 80s. And I think the Fed's biggest fear is that they take their foot off the brake too soon and inflation comes back. With that, their credibility falls. And with that, stock prices get hit much more. Inflation could rise more than it did out of 
fear and concern from consumers that inflation isn't a one-time event because of the pandemic, but now it's become part of the economy due to monetary policy, fiscal policy, and just consumer behaviors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think this is a year to be very careful to expect a lower trend, but to understand that just because we expect a lower trend, stock prices can't go higher. And, you know, while we may talk a lot about a bear case, we, Lance and I spend 75, 80% of our time talking about where's the bull case? Where are we wrong? What, why would the market go higher? What could cause it to go higher? And I think you need to keep your head on a swivel and you need to think about where your thesis is right and where it's wrong and adjust that thesis. What we're talking, when we're, when we're talking in two months in March, we may have a completely different view mm -hmm. and, you know, stock prices may be a lot lower or a lot higher at that point. Inflation may have come down or, or is being stubborn and the Fed may be doing something completely different than they're doing today. So I, I think the word of the year is going to be audible. We have to be ready to be audible and know what we're audibling into. Yeah. We have to have four plays called and we, we're, we're at the line of scrimmage every day. Yep. And maybe the first play is not the play. Maybe it's that second or third play that we have to audible to. Mm -hmm. And that's I think that's going to continue through this year. It's going to make it a very challenging year. Yeah. You know, and again, there's a lot of, you know, media headlines out right now about there's never been two down years in a row. And a lot of that has to do with calendar quirks. So you've got to be really careful with that type of analysis because, you know, bear markets start, you know, markets are up, you know, 10, 15 percent, whatever. And then the market starts declining in, in the beginning of one year, doesn't get to a negative return, but the bear market actually started in the year preceding whatever negative year you're going to have, but it's kind of a calendar thing. But, but again, you know, there's only been a couple of years or a couple of periods throughout history where there's been two negative years in a row. So a lot of investors kind of hanging their hat on. It's like, oh, this year will end up positive because there's never been, you know, very rare there's two negative years in a row. Just be careful with that. Like Mike said, you know, it's possible. Uh, again, you know, we could be talking about the resumption of the bull market later on this year. I, you know, just don't know. But, you know, the question I think really comes down to the fact is, do we have a recession? How deep is that recession? And more importantly, do earnings and estimates for earnings, most importantly, revert to some level of normality where valuations and prices and earnings, you know, going forward kind of get back into some level of reality that are sustainable? So, you know, to, to Mike's point, it's, it's just going to be a year where, you know, this month we're talking about, you know, being mostly in cash. Next month we may be talking about having a lot of equity exposure. It's just going to be a year where dynamics are going to change. You know, what worked last year may not work this year. You know, a lot of people piled into energy last year because it was working. Um, you know, something that Mike and I had talked about on the show back in November of 21, we talked about increasing our energy exposure because it was so hated. That was the sector that everybody hated. And it was a huge winner. It out, you know, it was up 40% last year. Markets were down 20, right? So that's a huge outperformance. Probably not going to happen again this year. So, you know, it wouldn't be surprising at all to see energy underperform. And then, of course, you start looking back at what's most hated right now, which is technology and, and consumer um, discretionary. Those are the most hated stocks right now. Maybe those are the big winners this year. Maybe they start getting some inflows this year um, because of, of changes to or realization that maybe things aren't as bad as everybody expects. I don't know. But Mike, uh, closing thoughts, you got 10 seconds. 
Keep your head on a swivel and be ready to audible. <laughs> there you go. All right. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, send us your questions, comments, emails, as always. Um, and again, we'll keep you updated on what we're doing as we make audibles. We'll let you know. Um, but again, our daily commentary is out this morning. Make sure you're subscribed. We send out a daily commentary every day. It's a quick read, about three minutes. We give you a market trading update, interesting tidbits about the markets and more. It comes out every morning at 7.30. Subscribe at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't go away.